1: Gentlemen, boys, and girls, welcome back to Basketball Conference, the ACC Football Podcast. My name is Joey Weaver. He is Mike McDaniel. Mike, live, instant recap edition for the national championship game: Clemson, forty-four, Alabama, sixteen. In a lot of ways, this game went the way that we thought it would, and in some very important ways, it really, really did not. Um, Just initial thoughts here. What would your big takeaways from this game here?
0: Yeah, this is going to be an open stream of consciousness here as Clemson wins their second national title in three years. And, Joey, we were, of course, texting throughout the entirety of this game. And um, it's really funny. We have a bunch of notes here that we took and plays that we thought would be important when doing this recap. And now you look back on it and all of these things that we talked about are really just a footnote. Uh, because Clemson pulled off the unthinkable. And I'm not talking about winning the football game. I'm talking about winning the football game 44-16. to 16. It was a blowout. Clemson blew out Alabama, and this is by far the largest loss that Nick Saban has ever had at Alabama. Before this, it was only 14 points. I'm not sure what's the more amazing stat, <laughs> the fact that this is his biggest blowout or the fact that the largest blowout before then was only 14 points. And that came, the last time that happened was 20, the 2014 Sugar Bowl against Oklahoma. I, just so many different takeaways. I mean, we'll get into this, the greatness of Trevor Lawrence, the fact that he never had his freshman moment, right? And he, I'm not sure he ever will have his freshman moment. I mean, he was every bit as good as Deshaun Watson was when he won the national title for Clemson two years ago. The running game for Clemson was phenomenal. The questionable play going from Alabama. I mean, where where do you even start? There's just so many different things we can dive into here, Joey. For for what it's worth, any moment that Trevor Lawrence has moving
1: forward will be either a sophomore moment or a junior moment or a rookie moment. Um, He he has officially absolved himself of any freshman moment that could happen. Uh, You know, this is going to sound kind of strange coming out for a game that that Clemson just won by four scores, but – I don't know that they really dominated this game start to finish in the way that the score would necessarily indicate. And what I mean by that is that on a play- to play basis, you saw how even these teams are and you know can be, but at the same time, you saw Clemson make plays in some very key situations um, that really kind of led to the end uh, you know the, the end result here. Um, is Clemson realistically 28 points better than Alabama? No. They were 27 points better than Notre Dame. Yeah. Like, what does that say about anybody else? You know, so I we're going to get into this here, kind of dive into this game. You know, off the bat, what you said, Trevor Lawrence was unbelievable tonight. You know, the way that I, I thought he started off the game kind of shaky in the first half. He struggled a little bit to settle in, took a couple or three drives for Clemson. But after he did, man, he was he was on top of it. Um, I think a majority of his incompletions on the game came in the first two drives for Clemson. Once he settled in and was dialed in, I mean, he made some crazy throws tonight, um, not the least of which was the last one that went for a touchdown to T. Higgins. Um, my goodness, was he impressive for a true freshman going up against Nick Saban's Alabama defense in the national title
0: game. I, I The throw that he made to T. Higgins there for Clemson's last touchdown was one of the best throws I've ever seen. Uh, mm-hmm. Forget about a freshman, forget about level of play, whether it's college or pro. Throwing that over the linebacker between the two safeties like he did with that little space, um, just where they were on the field, that is not an easy throw, Joey. Um, That's a throw that we see pros make, um, really, really good pro quarterbacks make with a lot more space than they had to operate there down in the red zone. That was one of the best throws I've ever seen. T. Higgins was unbelievable in this game. Justin Ross, Joey. With some of the catches he was making, he continues to be an absolute stud as a freshman. And uh, I think the big one of the biggest recruiting misses that Nick Saban in Alabama has had in the last in the last five or six years, we can safely say, is not being able to pull in Justin Ross um, from in from the state of Alabama and having him leave as the top receiver and go to Clemson and do what he just did to them in the national championship game. Man, oh man, Joey, that was a big miss.
1: I, I have this note down, Mike, and and. Yes, I'm wearing a Louisville shirt right now, but being a Georgia Tech guy the way that I am, know that I do not say this lightly. Justin Ross looked like Calvin Johnson out there tonight. Some of the catches that he was making and, and, you know, one-handed reach behind you kind of stuff and catches in traffic and, and breaking a tackle and just running away from people. I mean, he was almost non-existent in the first half for Clemson. And in the second half, he did enough. You know, he had four catches in the second half that went for like 130 yards and a touchdown. Um, he was really, really amazing for, for Clemson there tonight. Um, one of the things that, that stuck out to me here, Mike, and we kind of tell the story of the game here a little bit. Uh, Clemson comes out, you know, gets the ball first to start the game, goes three and out. Three plays, three yards, they're done. Uh, and that point, I was like, eh, I don't know how how good I feel about this. Alabama comes out first couple plays; they're really moving it. And it was the third play of the drive for Alabama that they just threw a, a pick six, where it was a really good uh, a really good read by AJ Terrell. Um, it was it was a bit of a rough throw, but I thought it was in a lot of ways indicative of what you were going to see the rest of the night of
0: Tua having a hell of a time trying to read Clemson's coverages. Yep. Absolutely, I I think this was a Hall of Fame level game called by Brett Venables on defense. Mm -hmm. This was one of the situations here uh, where you had a guy who was so amply prepared to play against this Alabama offense and to coach again. I'm sorry, not play to coach against this Alabama offense. This is something that was clear he was preparing for really since the loss in the semifinal last year. Uh, Once you you know after that game, you find out that all of your top talent from your front seven is returning um, all the top guys from your defensive line with Dexter Lawrence, who, um, you know, obviously wasn't able to play or wasn't able to play tonight. And, um, but, but you knew he was coming back and you knew you had Cleveland Farrell, um, you know, you had this great defensive line returning um, great front seven and a decent secondary. And you knew that you had all of that coming back. You had, you know, an offense that was really just a quarterback away, a Trevor Lawrence away, and you knew that he was going to come to Clemson. So this is something the coaching staff was clearly preparing for since the loss last season. They knew they were going to be able to, you know, get through this ACC schedule, at least on paper, they were by far the better team um, on paper in every single game they played this year. Um, You know, they, they went through trials and tribulations, you know, the quarterback switch and, um, you know, mid, you know, in the first quarter of the year and Kelly Bryant transfers out of the program, but, you know, Dabo knew all along, if they wanted to win a national championship, they needed Trevor Lawrence's arm to do it. And that ends up being the right decision. So this is just one of these situations back to the original point defensively for Clemson, where they were just ready to go. They knew where the weakness was in Alabama's offensive line, which has been hit or miss all year long. Of course, they've had trouble protecting Tua there's a reason why he's battled injuries and he's been nicked up all year long. For as good as he's been, uh, he was not ready tonight for the spotlight. And, you know, he came in and he won them the national championship last season. But, you know, once Alabama had to go away from the run game, especially in the second half, they were not the same offense. And um, once you have that play script running against you, and it's just not going to happen. Even for a quarterback as good as two has been this year and for an offense as good as Alabama has been. Uh, when you have a Clemson defense that's this strong and can pin their ears back and they know what's coming and they know you have to throw to beat them, it's really tough to score on any defense, but especially Clemson's, Jerry.
1: Well, Mike, on the, on the preview show that we did, we talked about the, really the most reliable way that either of these teams going to be able to move the ball all game long was going to be throwing the ball down the field. And, and we were mostly right about that. I I would say that Alabama did find a way to run the ball relatively consistently, you know, right at the front seven of Clemson. I was, I was impressed with the way they were able to do that. Now, on the other hand of that, it was, I think it took 31 carries for him to get about 150 yards, which it's not really the, you know, the Alabama level of run game dominance that you're used to seeing. But at the end of the day, you know, throwing the ball down the field became the name of the game pretty quickly. Right. Um, You know, Clemson has that pick six to start the game. Three plays later, Tua comes back and throws a dime of a 62-yard pass to Jerry Judy there in the first half. Uh, four plays, 75 yards later, you know Trevor Lawrence has a big pass to, to T Higgins. You know Clemson's up 14-7, and this is still early in the first quarter. Um, Alabama goes down the field it you know makes it 14-13 and miss an extra point, which by the way. We're going to talk a little bit about special team shenanigans in this game. And that was one of the you know, several cases where Alabama's special teams really let them down. We tried to tell you. We tried to tell you. We're, we're really not the uh, we told you so guys, except when we are, which is that, that yeah, actually we are those guys. So uh, make no mistake about that. We are told you so kind of guys. But we're here. This, I mean, this game early, like there was 27 points scored in the first 10 minutes of the game. And and that was a result of throwing the ball down the field, plus you know the courtesy of a pick six. But it like that was really going to be the name of the game. And where you saw, I, I think where you saw Clemson get the better of it was you saw Clemson's defense uh, making Tua very uncomfortable with all the pressure that they were bringing. They were very committed to bringing the blitz all night long. I would bet if you go back and look at this game, they were blitzing on at least seventy percent of their plays defensively. And it was, it was making Tua make throws faster than he's used to or faster than he wants to. And I think, honestly, that was probably the biggest difference here as, as you go back and look at this game. Um, so Clemson is up 14-13, um, and they end up going up 31-16 to 16 by the end of the half. They had a couple a uh, you know, they had a, a three and out to start the game. It wasn't pretty. Uh, and then from there, four plays touchdown, three plays punt. Six plays, touchdown, eight plays, touchdown, eight plays, field goal to end the half for Clemson. Um, Really, I I mean, that was a huge kind of statement for them going into the half. Um, They they moved the ball incredibly well. And and really, it was, I think, thankful for you know or or thanks to a few really big plays that Clemson had. They were not being super efficient, but when they were they were getting a guy down the field open, they were making it happen and they were making it worth it, you know, of getting a whole bunch of
0: yards and chunks when they when they were able to. I, yeah, I mean, the, there are going to be some stats here that are that are misleading, um, but the one thing you can say is that Travis Etienne was massive in this game. He only had 14 carries for 86 yards. He did have the two touchdown runs, but averaging six yards per carry kept the Alabama defense honest. He is, for all the talk that Trevor Lawrence is going to get, and all justifiable, right, right? Um, Travis Etienne is one of the players of the game because of his ability to keep Alabama's defense honest. Uh, you saw some chunk plays out of the running game uh, because you saw Trevor Lawrence for as good as he was with his arm. Um, they were able to go back to the run, and you know Alabama was on their heels. They didn't know what was coming next. I mean, when you have Trevor Lawrence going 20 of 32 for 347 yards and three touchdowns, you can afford to give it to Travis Etienne. You know, and pick your spots. There, fourteen carries, eighty-six yards, six point one yards per carry, and two scores. Um, that that was huge in this game. Um, you know, Clemson had Clemson out out gains. Um, Alabama four eighty-two to four forty-three. Uh, so that's pretty close. Um, Alabama out Clemson one forty-eight to one thirty-five. Um, I mean, it was it was real close this entire game, and um, Alabama. 31 minutes to 28 minutes for Clemson, right? So Alabama also wins the time of possession. Uh, At one point, I'm not sure what the final numbers were on the first downs, but I saw late in the game that Alabama had 23 first downs to Clemson's 18. I think Clemson might have picked up one or two more first downs, so it was either 23-19 or 23-20. It was 23-21. 23-21 in favor of Alabama, so Alabama had more first downs in this game, Joey. And the one crazy stat, too, is about midway through the third quarter. Clemson had the ball for less than 12 minutes in the game. At that point in time, they had 37 points, Joey. And I get that they had that one defensive score at the beginning of the game, but that is crazy, crazy efficient. Um, when, when you're able to score on all these, you know, you don't have the ball that much. You have, you know, um, limited possessions. You're able to put up points. And the passing game very quickly, Travis Etienne breaks a couple runs. You, you have a defensive score. So all these things work into your favor. And, and even with the bad special teams play, um, it, you're able to get the job done and, and get it done in a blowout fashion. I am just so surprised by this outcome, Joey. I'm sure you hear it in my voice. I, I feel like I'm rambling at this point. It's just it's unbelievable. I can't believe what I just saw. It. Well, the, the, the stat that I was looking at, Clemson finishes the
1: game – with 28 minutes and 23 seconds of possession. That's important because they finished the game on a 10-minute possession, Mike, that started on their one-yard line, worked their way into the red zone. So going into the last possession, they had had the ball for like 18 minutes, right? You know, Alabama had 31-plus minutes. Early on, in the first half, we were talking, you know, as we were texting, talking about Clemson's defense looked tired. They were getting worn down pretty quickly by Alabama. Alabama was possessing the ball, sitting on it, all this stuff. If you just look at some basic box score things, Clemson outgained Alabama by 39 yards. They had fewer first downs. Like they they were outrushed by Alabama, all this stuff. There were two key things here is that Alabama had six penalties for 60 yards to Clemson's one for 12. And Alabama lost the turnover battle, you know, two to nothing. Um, Those are the two big things in just any basic box score that you would see. Besides that, again, we talk about the the key plays that Clemson made. So let's get into the second half here a little bit. Alabama, Mike, I don't know if you realize this. Alabama only had the ball four times in the second half. They had the ball four times. The first three times they had turnovers on downs, all of which were within the Clemson red zone. Yep. So they had worked their way down the field and just could not finish the drive. And you know they went 13 plays, 51 yards, turnover on downs. Eight plays, 59 yards, turnover on downs. Nine plays, 66 yards, turnover on downs. They had some suspect play calling. There was a, there was like a QB bootleg that made no sense on fourth down. You know, and fourth and goal. I think late in the game, it was just some some kind of strange stuff that happened. You know, play calling wise for Alabama in the second half to where they they were very effective working their way into the Clemson red zone, but they just really could not finish drives. And it's those key stops that Clemson was able to make in this game that I think really ultimately make the difference in the final score.
0: Yeah. I mean, we indicated this in the preview that, you know, these teams were both very good in the red zone on both sides of the football. And we saw that here tonight. It was strength on strength. Kirk Herbstreit highlighted that in the first half where it was one of the first drives of the game where, uh, Alabama is in the Clemson red zone, Alabama would score on that drive, but Alabama was in the Clemson red zone in the first quarter. And he said, look, this is something to watch the entire game tonight. This is strength on strength. Um, you have a really good offense against a really good defense in the red zone and two units that have been very good all year long. And that's what we saw here tonight. Um, it, it's just, you know, on a larger scale, Joey, it is always much more difficult for an offense to score in a red zone than it is for a defense. And I think on a broader scale, you look at Clemson's defense, and it becomes even more difficult for a team to score on that defense with that defensive front. You don't have as much room, obviously, to operate if you're an offense, if, and especially if you're Alabama, you want to spread teams out, especially in the passing game. You can't do that in the red zone against this Clemson defense. It's just too difficult. Their corners are too good. Their front seven is too good. If you try to run between the tackles, you're not going to get much of anything going three or four yards at a clip anyway. Um, it becomes even harder in the red zone when they're buckling down, they're tightening everything uh, inside the tackles. So that's what we saw. And we saw some suspect play calling uh, for, on the Alabama side. We really did. Um, the game was essentially over at this point. It's 44 to 16. But on that last – one of the last offensive possessions Alabama had in the Clemson red zone, they run a quarterback sweep with two out of the short side of the field on fourth and goal. I didn't understand that play call at all, like not one bit you weren't getting anything going with the quarterback sweep all night long. You try to try to short side of the field in that situation, just really didn't understand. And, and in my mind, that's how Alabama waving the white flag saying, we got nothing on offense. We don't really know what we're going to do here um, in regards to put the ball in the end zone. And that was clear all night. The, way that, so, the uh, way that
1: Clemson attacked
0: all night long, there were several of those plays where they
1: tried to stretch it to the perimeter and Clemson's defense just was not going to give them that at all. So yeah, I, I still do not get that play call.
0: Yeah, Clemson just set the edge all night, and it should have been readily apparent at that point in the game that that play wasn't going to work for you, right? Because they had tried that several times um, to begin with. I mean, the quarterback sweep even to the wide side of the field uh, wasn't working. So I didn't really get that. There were a lot of interesting third and fourth down decisions. But, you know, if you're Nick Saban for as good of a coach as you are, you're kind of forced to make those decisions when you don't trust your defense to make a stop when you know your special teams is shaky and when you feel like your offense is your best unit and you're down by as much as they were down that late in the game, you're kind of handcuffed in what you can and can't do. So that plays into it as well. Mike, you bring up one more, one more point. My last point
1: that I really have notes on is it really pertains to the way this game played out. Special teams. There were two things Mm -hmm. that we told you in the preview when we told you, A, this is going to be about downfield passing and who does it better. It was Clemson. B, yep. we told you this is going to be about special teams gaffes by somebody or other. Now, let's start this by saying Clemson was not totally absolved of any sort of special teams gaff. Uh, they stoinked sh- sh- their own extra point, you know, at some point later in the game. Uh, so they were not totally absolved. However, Alabama had multiple special teams gaffs. They missed their own extra point, uh, as well as they had, Mike, one of the most just. Mind-blowing, like, mind-numbing, crazy fake field goal calls that you will ever see. Awful. Look, like, we've we've seen Nick Saban make effective fake field goal calls before or fake, you know, surprise special teams calls, right? We talked about three years ago in the national title game, they had an onside kick that totally changed the game. There's all these brilliant cerebral special teams things that Nick Saban has and can and will do. They had a fourth and six, Mike, where that was one of their turnovers on downs. Was you remember that fake punt that Georgia ran on fourth and eleven in the SEC title game? It was like that. They used their freshman kicker as a lead blocker for some dude that was their holder when Clemson's Mac Mac Jones, their third string quarterback. Yeah, the world famous Mac Jones. Yeah, run that guy on a fake field goal. Clemson's in like a prevent defense. What in the blue hell, Mike, was that call? I don't know why or how that became a thing. I have a feeling that that's going to be a, a, a like a disproportionate amount of the post-game press conference with Nick Saban is what the hell was that fake field goal call?
0: Yeah, so I, I t- you texted me right after that play happened. You said, what? Because <laughs> you were just utterly confused. I texted you back, and I said that, Teams do this against Alabama because they're confused. You don't see Alabama doing this against teams like Clemson because they're confused. It was a coaching gaffe and a half, Joey. It really was. You have Clemson, like you mentioned, they're in like a weird prevent, like some modification of their base defense. They were not going to block the field goal. They were ready for the fake. Everybody in the stadium was ready for the fake. But Alabama still felt the need to not only fake it, but fake it on fourth and sixth and one of the weirdest play calls for a fake I have ever seen, using the kicker as a lead blocker, I, so many things wrong with with just, first of all, making that call to the actual call itself, to who you have running it, to Clemson being ready for it, to the stadium being ready for it. Like, come on. You've got to be better than that in the national championship game. I got a lot of respect for Nick Save, and that was, that was an outrageous play call. Well, and as
1: much as the, the call itself, we kind of look back on it, and it's like you ran a fake field goal where you you used your kicker as a lead blocker, you know, for your holder. And that the play design in and of itself was kind of a strange thing. By far the worst part of it is that they got out there, and Clemson has four guys on the line, and seven of them spread out waiting for the fake. And, and I'm sitting here watching this before they snap the ball thinking – Clemson doesn't think Alabama can make a field goal any more than Alabama does. They're going to let them miss it on their own merit without trying to block it, right? And that's a perfectly reasonable logic there for Clemson, you know, who's watched Alabama have just a disaster of a special teams, you know, or or particularly a disaster of a a place-kicking unit throughout the year. So the fact that Alabama lines up, sees Clemson lined up in a protection kind of field goal coverage, and doesn't kill that play call, call timeout. You know, ha, you know the the holder is able to call it off and just kick the field goal. You know, whatever. Like, if you're at that point, yeah, either call timeout and then just send your offense out if you're going to go for it, or just kick the field goal. Why, why you run it into the teeth of the Clemson defense with your
0: field goal unit on the field is absolutely beyond me. And the game, it was still it was thirty-one sixteen. I mean, the game was still competitive, right? So don't have I, I don't have get. I don't get it. I mean, I don't get it. Um, it's five so minutes at halftime. Yeah. It's a two score game. Joey, the stream of consciousness here continues. Um, so we, we spoke briefly, like, what does it say about, you know, other teams and the talk about, you know, who else should be in the playoff and how big of a waste of time that was. Um, Notre Dame lost to Clemson 30 to three. Correct. Yeah. Um, after the second quarter tonight, oh, I'm sorry. Since the start of the second quarter tonight, Clemson outscored Alabama 30-3. to um, In addition, another kind of random stat. These are both courtesy of Bruce Feldman from The Athletics, so, you know, good follow. Um, if Alabama doesn't rally, he, t- he tweeted this about an hour and a half ago, if Alabama doesn't rally from this 44-16 to hole, which which they didn't, obviously, Number one seeds in the college football playoff will be three and five and have yet to win a national title in the four seasons of the college football playoff. Oh, that's interesting. Random stats, Joey. Random stats. I'll have to think through that one. The first year Ohio State
1: won it as a four seed. Clemson won it a couple years ago as a two seed. Bama won it last year was a three seed or a four seed. That's a four seed last year. yeah. Wow. That's a stat. Yep. Wow. Um, yeah, I, this was a this is a really impressive effort from Clemson. I, I think at the end of the day, I don't know if if you know Nick Saban and Alabama kind of overthought it in in certain places, or you know I, if if Clemson really just had that perfect of a game plan in place. Which I say that kind of just off the cuff, but like really, it was a brilliant game plan, especially on defense from Clemson. They made more plays on offense, but. To me, I'm not so much shocked that Clemson scored 44 points as I am that Alabama was held to 16, right? Like, I, I would have completely seen this coming if it was like a 44-41 kind of game rather than a 44-16 kind of game, you know. Um, one, one more thing that we said on the preview, Mike. We, we told people the best bet in this game by far was the over. And as we were previewing this game, it was at 59 and a half, and it was like, oh, this game's definitely going over. And it was in the first quarter, and there was 27 points on the board, and it's like, oh, yeah, we got ourselves a Big 12 game going here. Like, this is, this is going to be a shootout. You know, neither of these secondaries can really cover the receivers on the other team. Like, it is what it is. Mike, this game went over by half a point. <laughs> After all of that. Yeah. When the dust settled, it went over by half a point. Thanks again to Alabama not finishing drives and missing extra points and blah, 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 blah. But it, hey, it found a way over, so we weren't wrong. But it also didn't go nearly as over as we really thought it was going to in like the second quarter.
0: Yeah, let's, um, Joey, let's let's both do um, our, our fellow ACC, you know, team, Duke Blue Devils. Let's let's do them a, a favor and say a prayer for them because they open up with Alabama next season and. Um, there's never a good time to play Alabama, Joey. Uh, but I can pick a bad time to play Alabama, and this is it. Mike, is there is there a bad time to play Clemson you can think of? Um,
1: yeah. Is it like in the first game under a new coach? Uh, yeah. Because you know who gets Clemson game one next year? Uh, yeah. Let's go on. Your Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets, Joey. My Yellow Jackets. In Death Valley – In the first game on the ACC network on the Thursday to to kick off college football season in August, my Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets, under a new coach transitioning the offense, the whole thing, get to play this Clemson team, uh, which is now being quarterbacked by like the ghost Joe Montana. Or, you know, it's literally like Patrick Mahomes is like bored on a Monday and came in and and quarterback Clemson. I, I could not. Could not believe Mike what we've seen all year long from 19 year old true freshman Trevor Lawrence. My goodness, I mean, somebody was saying, like, I saw, um, oh, I saw someone tweeting something about, like, oh, the Atlantic division gets to deal with this for another three years. BS, sir, you do not deal with this for three years, you deal with this for two years because right now he would be the number one pick in the draft, right now, like, yeah. He's, he won't be because he's got to stay there for two more years, but the third year is totally off the table unless there's some crazy injury or something to where it really just makes sense for him to stay a third year.
0: Yeah, I'm pretty sure, like, Trevor Lawrence died for his sins and, you know, you go to church mm-hmm. with him in mind every Sunday. Like, <laughs> this guy is unbelievable. He's got the hair and everything. He's got the hair and everything, yeah. He's it basically the same guy. Um, yeah, I – you know, Joey, I just we we've kind of talked about this a little bit at the beginning of this podcast. Like this game just got away from Alabama. Alabama is, you know, not this much worse than Clemson. They're not going to get blown out by Clemson, you know, even two out of three times, let alone like nine out of ten. Um it's it's one of those types of deals where it really just snowballed on Alabama tonight. But one of the things I do want to bring up is is that Alabama, they were having a lot of success in the running game with really just their stable of running backs early on in the game. And you really just have to wonder um, if who doesn't throw those couple of interceptions. I mean, he kind of he, – he absolved himself of that pick six pretty quickly, um, throwing that long touchdown pass on the very next possession to tie things up. But um, you really wonder if he doesn't make the mistakes that he made in the passing game. They're uh, turning the ball over a couple times and you know, Alabama was able to get another stop or two, um, does the offensive game plan change at all? Um, obviously, it does in the second half where they completely abandoned the run because they had to, and it really got away from them, but I, I really just wonder with all the success Alabama was having on the ground, maybe you're not forced into a situation where Tua has to literally do everything through the air, um, as he had to do basically from halfway through the third quarter onward. Um, and Clemson's defense, I mean, uh, all the credit in the world to Brent Fettables and, um, and, you know, the Clemson defense for being ready for this football game. But uh, it's just really amazing considering all the stats that actually, you know, went in Alabama's favor and, and some of it in garbage time, you know, you're, you're throwing the ball a ton trying to get back in the game. But even so, uh, for, for, the, for a lot of the game stats to be as close as they were, it's really just surprising it snowballed this quickly on Alabama in this game. You're just not used to seeing it out of the Nick Saban coach team. And it's going to be something I'm going to have to think about here, really how this really got away from, from Alabama. Cause you know, recording this right after the game with, you know, just kind of an, you know, an open mind, just trying to process what we just watched. It's really difficult to kind of see how this thing kind of turned on Alabama, but it did. And I'm, I'm surprised. I'm really surprised that, um, that it turned into the blowout that it did. I completely agree. And, and clearly part of that surprise is that
1: we don't see Alabama get blown out like this. We don't. Alabama lost this game by 28 points. That is twice as many points as the biggest loss they've ever had under Nick Saban. They had losses in 2013 and 2010 by 14 points. And that was the most that anybody had ever beaten a Saban Alabama team by. Clemson came out tonight in the national damn title game, Mike, and won by 28 points. They had the ball on their one-yard line with 10 minutes to go, and Alabama never got the ball back. Like, just there there was just a certain level of dominance here that I don't know that any of us really could have predicted in certain ways. In other ways, it really felt like there was just a couple of plays here or there that, that swung the way this game finished in, in major, major ways. I Yeah. Really impressive showing by Clemson tonight.
0: Yep, and there, there's one. There's one other thing I want to bring up here real quick. How about Alabama um, getting in a goal to go situation, running a shovel pass, oh and goodness, stuff. and then Clemson coming back literally on the next possession, running that same shovel pass and scoring on it with Travis Etienne.
1: Like, what was the, a, a? What was the first call? Second of all. Oh man, that was a that was a deliciously disrespectful second second call there for Clemson to score on the play that Alabama got stuffed on right before. It was, beautiful. it was
0: and it was yeah, and it was kind of a um, you know. And I mentioned I I tweeted this. It, it's kind of a microcosm of how close these two teams are when they're running literally the exact same plays in the red zone trying to produce points because they think mm-hmm. that that's the weakness of the other team that they're playing against. These teams were so evenly matched and. It really just came down to Alabama's inability to score in the red zone and Clemson's ability to literally take all of those stops that they continue to compile on the defensive end and turn them into scores on offense. Um, that's really where this game got away from Alabama. They couldn't put the ball in the end zone, and Clemson makes a stop here, a stop there. Alabama all of a sudden is done kicking field goals, and they're now going for it in every, in every goal-to-go situation and every fourth and short situation. Armstrong just made enough plays on defense, Joey, and they got enough out of their offense, obviously, more than enough out of the offense to, to win this football game. When you have Travis Etienne scoring twice on the ground, he he had that shovel pass that he caught for the t- one touchdown. You have Justin Ross, his freaking sorcerer, six catches for 153 yards and a touchdown. T. Higgins with an unbelievable grab in the end zone on that throw that we mentioned that it was one of the best throws I've ever seen <laughs> mm-hmm. over a linebacker between with a corner draped all over the receiver and the safety over the top and the end zone. There, he he both at the same time
1: threw it into triple coverage and made a perfect throw. Like, yeah, how impossible that is for any college quarterback to do, much less again, a true freshman, Mike made that throw. Holy crap! It's a tough throw for a pro to make,
0: yeah. I, I haven't seen that throw. Oh, but a handful of times out of a professional quarterback, Joey and Joey and uh, Trevor Lawrence puts this thing right on the money. And literally, like you said, triple coverage, but only where his receiver could catch it. It's unbelievable. You can make that statement and have simultaneously, by the way, and have it make complete and total sense. But that's what we're at now needs to be mentioned was also a phenomenal catch by T Higgins. Yes, let's not take anything away from one of the best receivers in college football, T. Higgins, Uh, but unbelievable throw, unbelievable grab, just, you know, well executed by two two top-level recruits, top-level athletes, and this is what you have to look forward to in the ACC, Joey, and I I guess on the broader scale, uh, when taking a step back, and we'll have an entire offseason to kind of get into this and, um, you know, talk about each individual team, but there's not a team in the same stratosphere in the acc is clemson right now there there are plenty of teams who might be pretty good next year who might improve there is no team anywhere close to clemson this has been a dominant run for them in the acc joey but i don't see it ending anytime soon in fact i think the rich only get richer they're only getting stronger as a program i think more programs in the acc are taking a step back rather than a step forward as we saw this year in the conference I don't see any reason why this run can't continue for Clemson or won't continue. This could be a historic type run in the Atlantic coast conference. And I think we're right here um, firmly planted in the middle of history with Dabo Swinney being an unbelievable head coach doing all that he's done for that, that Clemson program Um, for being as young as he is. If he stays there for the entirety of his career, Joey, the sky is the limit. That's for sure. Last thing I got Mike Clemson. First team since 1900 to go 15 and 0 in a season. Hello, that's it's impressive. It's damn impressive. We talked all yet we talked in the season previews, Joey, back way back in July and August about how difficult it is to go undefeated and how it would be really tough to pick an ACC team to go undefeated. And here we are. Clemson goes not 12 and 0, not 13 and 0, not 14 and 0. They go 15 and 0. First team since 1900 to do so. Unbelievable job, unbelievable season by Clemson. And man, this entire offense returns next year, Joey. And that is bad news for college football. And one final thing I'll add I think I know who the preseason favorite is for the Heisman Trophy. Who is it? That would be Trevor Lawrence,
1: Joey. Ah, of course. I, yeah. I I was thinking, you know, I don't know. Justin Ross? Well, T. Higgins? I don't know. It could be Travis anybody. E- could,
0: Travis Etienne. Like, could be
1: any, Could be anybody, Mike. Could be anybody. Yeah. I was gonna go with uh, Sam Ellinger at Texas or something. I don't know, but Love him. He's, he's a ball ball player. Yeah, he's a ball player. Uh, Mike, do you, remember, job. do you remember who the uh, the top two quarterbacks were in last year's recruiting class? Just top to bottom, two best quarterbacks. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, number one, Joey, and Justin Fields. Justin Fields, number two. Number two, right? Yep. And just so I can toot my own horn as a Georgia Tech fan, remember where Trevor or uh, Justin Fields went? He went to Georgia, Joey. Remind me how that went, Mike. He transferred to Ohio State, Joey. Mm, that's a shame. It's a shame. ACC a good- team wins a national title, goes 15-0 in their first year with a really good freshman quarterback. Other team barely plays their freshman quarterback and loses him and gets their asses kicked in the Sugar Bowl.
0: That was just a shame. Just And re- related news, Joey, I have one question for you. Yes, sir. What's the good word? Uh, to hell with Georgia, sir. Thank there you. There it is. You're welcome. Thanks for the
1: little alley oop there. Yeah. Dude. Throwing it up for you. All right. Um, Mike, last thing before we get out of here. Um, the, and something that we totally glossed over and completely forgot to mention on the uh, on the preview podcast.
0: Did you get into any uh, prop bets in this game? I did not make any prop bet, prop bets, Joey, but I made two bets that are very important. I bet the over, bet over fifty nine. I also bet I also bet Clemson to cover five and a half. Okay. Yep. Yeah. And, and they got yeah. They just they just barely covered that. Right. And and one final thing, I I made the elusive uh, two bet parlay on that. Ooh, I did. There you go. Here so we are. You, you cashed in. I did.
1: I cashed in. <laughs> barely. The over hit by one point somehow. Somehow. Vegas, um,
0: man. Vegas.
1: Yeah. So I, I ended up getting in on four prop bets and I went two and two across them. Uh, I had, let's see, Damian Harris under 49 and a half rushing yards for Alabama. Um, he, he ended up with 57. So barely went over, but he had like no rushing yards in the fourth quarter or whatever. So he went over pretty early and then stood pat because naturally. Right. Um, I had over 22 and a half completions for Trevor Lawrence. He ended up with 20 because they stopped throwing the ball in the fourth quarter because it was a blowout. Yep. I had over 69 and a half receiving yards for Justin Ross, and he hit all of that on one catch. He had a 74-yard touchdown there in the third quarter that was brilliant. Um, He he really came alive after a really slow first half. Um, He had four huge catches for a whole bunch of yards there in the second half finally i had under 89 and a half rushing yards for travis etienne in this game and mike i'll be damned if i was not yelling at my tv for travis etienne to get out of bounds on a long run that he had in the fourth quarter <laughs> he ends up with 86 rushing yards which is a whole like 12 feet short of where he had gone, if he had gone out of bounds you know further he would have uh, he would have busted my prop bet there so i ended up two and two uh, I got the the Etienne and Ross prop bets I missed on the Lawrence and uh, Damian Harris bets, but overall it was pretty good. Yeah. I had the, uh, the, un, the over as well on the point total. Um, I got it at 57 and a half today. It, it fell quite a bit. Um, I think we said we saw it even as low as 56 and a half earlier in the day, but um, yeah, this game ends at 60 points. So it just barely goes over, but uh, Mike was overall a, a pretty profitable, I'm gonna say profitable bull season gambling. It was pretty, uh, pretty break even. Let's say actually,
0: it was break even for me. I, yeah, I think I ended up on a win loss basis. I was up two bets, but monetarily it was it was very very break even, Joey. Very break even. It's just how God intended bull season to be. I think absolutely. But on on a brighter note, I I end the college football season winning my final two bets. My so. man. I mean if you count the parlay that's 3 and you know there's nowhere to go but down so good thing the season ended I was
1: trying to explain to the wife why I had five bets in on this one game and I basically had to tell her I was like look like there's there's no more of this for 8 months so I got to get it all out now it's like Ooh.
0: right right you got to get it all out of your system while you can so yeah. I I don't know I don't know it was uh I'd say it was a wild ACC season I don't know if that's you know, we'll sit back and try to recap it to the best of our ability at a later point in time. It was a very weird season overall. Um, Clemson being dominant wasn't even really a thing until like mid-October. And uh, Joey, War Machine Clemson doesn't only do it to the ACC, doesn't uh-huh. only do it to Notre Dame, does it to Alabama and Nick Saban. Um, that's going to be something we're going to remember for a while. It's, this is a shocking result. It's a shocking result. I thought this game could go a few different ways. I thought Clemson could win close. I thought Alabama could win close. I thought this game could get away from Clemson. Um, you know, I thought Alabama had a much better shot to win in a blowout than Clemson did just because you got the elements of, you know, Trevor Lawrence being a freshman which, you know, is what it is, right? You know, he makes a freshman mistake or two. This game gets away from him. Um, you know, you have Alabama with a favorable matchup against Clemson's uh, you know, back half of Clemson's defense with You know, their corner, exposing their cornerbacks and their safeties. But, you know, Clemson really tightened up. They win the football game and they're the ones that blow out Alabama. They were they were the team that was more efficient in all three phases, Joey. And that's what it really boils down to offense, defense. And even in the special teams, even where Clemson had their own set of gas um, in the special teams portion of the game. Um, Alabama messed up worse, and that's all that matters at the end of the day. Um, Clemson wins all three phases, and they win the football game, forty-four to sixteen, in the national championship. Unbelievable. Mike, I think we've we've pretty extensively covered
1: this whole thing at this point, and and I want to leave you at this. We we talked on the preview about how this game and these teams were pretty much the college football version of that Spider-Man meme, right? Yep. Last four seasons, Alabama 55 and four, two national titles. Clemson 55 and four, two national titles. You can't make this shit up. You really absolutely cannot. Um, This is very clearly the two most dominant programs in college football right now. And I don't really see that changing anytime in the near future unless there's some crazy something that changes in terms of coaching situations or. Um, you know, NCAA violations or something like that, that, that is just beyond the power of these current coaching staffs is it is what it is. These teams, they don't rebuild. They don't, you know, have to fix themselves. They just reload year to year and recruiting class to recruiting class and all this. So um, I, I am curious to see if, or, or when we're going to see somebody jump up and, uh, and kind of
0: step to them. So we'll have to see. Really bad, really bad night for the ACC haters like Peter Burns of the SEC Network. Tough (laughs) night. Shout out Peter Burns. Yep. Tough night. Um, By the way, our buddy Josh Parcell.
1: um, Yeah. If y'all want to report anybody to Cold Takes Exposed, I think it was about two or three o'clock this afternoon. Josh Parcell published his uh, his prediction that Alabama was going to win this game by three scores. So, uh, shout
0: out, Old Takes Exposed. Because how about, how about his Josh. other tweet? How about Josh? You know, we know you and we love you, but your tweet from about a week and a half ago saying, if you don't think Georgia can beat Clemson, you're an idiot. Or you're a <laughs> moron, sorry. Well, I mean... Texas sorry. beat that ass. And then Clemson beat that ass that beat that Georgia ass. So transitive property and i'll tell you what joey georgia <laughs> georgia would not beat clemson Mm-mm. Uh, Mm-mm. so i must be a moron All right uh, i'll gladly wear that tag yep yep mike anything else before we get out of here i think that's pretty good it's pretty it's pretty good it's pretty extensive um it wasn't as rambly as i thought it would be so i you know i think we held it together relatively well we'll see uh we'll see if people listen to this i know we got some people watching right now which is nice nice to see yeah. that. But, uh hey. we'll see if you know people listen once we add this thing up and post it here tomorrow shout out to the live audience thank you guys for uh, tuning in here after the game um Mike,
1: we we do have to get out of here. It's getting late. Um, this has been a very extensive recap of a, a single game here, but I, I think it's been very sufficient, very solid, and uh, a, a you know solid recap of the ACC taking home another, another national title here. Uh, that's what two and three years of doing this podcast. So I, I, that's a pretty good ratio, if you ask me.
0: Uh yeah, two and two and three years, and you know, I think Clemson could get back there next year, Joey? I think they could. Uh, pff- well, with that Lawrence kid
1: at quarterback, I guess they got a chance. They have a shot. Um, Mike, we're going to come back here in a couple of weeks. we got some news dump kind of things we got to do, and then we'll have a, a National Signing Day thing. So stay tuned as we get into the offseason. We keep doing this podcast, and um, we'll have episodes every so often as news items come up. There's there's never a dull moment in the ACC, even when they're not actually playing football. So stay tuned. Um, if you subscribe to this podcast thinking that we were actually a basketball Podcast and that we covered ACC basketball. I have bad news for you. Um, we we don't. We generally don't. Yeah. So um, this is a this is a football podcast. So we will continue talking about ACC football all through the next eight months as we wait for the next season to start and wait for Georgia Tech to get that ass kicked by Clemson and Death Valley on that first weekend. But um, stay tuned because we do have ACC news that will pop up every so often. We're, we'll take your questions. You know, again, please keep sending them to us. Um as we kind of work together through the offseason and and uh try to keep each other sane. So stay tuned. Uh Mike, we're gonna get out of here. We are gonna come back here, yeah, probably in a week or two and do a little bit of a news dump. There's some items to talk to as uh you know, coaching staffs have filled out and um there's all sorts of strangeness, you know. Manny Diaz trying to hire some coaches down at Miami, so stay tuned there. Uh, in the meantime, the optimal word is try. Yeah, try is the key word there. Um In the meantime, Mike, they can find us on Twitter. I am at FTRS Joey. He is at Mike McDaniel CFB, and together we're at BC Podcast ACC. You guys can send us an email with your questions, your comments, your concerns, any sort of content at all that you want to hear during the offseason. Send it all to the longest email address, no demand Podcast at gmail.com. Nailed it. Uh, You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, the Overcast app, wherever fine podcasts are sold for free. We're going to probably work on other platforms in the offseason. We'll have to see. Uh, and Mike, you want to tell them where they can find us on the social medias, Facebook, facebook.com slash basketball conference rate review. Find all of our podcasts there, Jay. Please do. Please do. You can also find us on YouTube. Go to our, uh, you, you just search for basketball conference podcast on YouTube. Uh, we don't have a fancy URL, but if you hit the subscribe button, you can find out when we are doing these episodes live and tune in as, as we do, um, and, and see the visuals to them. Um, I, like I mentioned earlier, I'm actually wearing my Louisville shirt today. I felt very festive. Um, I, I promise I am a Louisville fan sometimes. So this is actually a Christmas gift. So, you know, go cards.
0: Yep. Yep. Know. And I'm wearing a, uh, I'm wearing a Boston Red Sox World Series champion sweatshirt. Shut your damn mouth. Who, for those of you who have yet to, yet to experience something like that or, you know. Mike, we're not doing or, this right now. We're not doing okay. it. It's a festive evening. We're not doing this. I'll postpone that for a later time. Plus the wall behind me is orange, but not really. So Clemson orange, yeah. There you go. So hotel room. Here Mike gonna come back and do this sometime soon. Let's do it, Joey. Let's another, do it. Another season in the books. On to the on to the off season, Joey. On to the off season for better or worse, but mostly worse. Mostly worse. <sighs> All right, Mike. We'll talk soon. Uh,
1: until next time, for Mister Mike McDaniel. I am Joey Weaver. We'll talk to you guys again very soon. We thank you guys so much for listening for tuning in. Congratulations to the Clemson Tigers on another national title. Until next time, go ACC.